Good morning and greetings in the name of Jesus. It's good again to be here in the house of the Lord as we worship together. A story is told of a famous uh, violinist who was to perform at a concert. As he stood before that packed house that night and played his violin, he amazed the audience with the wonderful abilities and the skill that he had. As he lifted up that bow, off that string, on his final note, the hall erupted with a thunderous applause. And he was giving a standing ovation. He looked at the crowd for a moment and he walked off that stage only to return to extend a replay performance. To the amazement of the large crowd that gathered there that night, his replay performance was even more beautiful and flawless than the first. He again looked into the audience and he left the stage for the second time, but was persuaded back by the deafening roar of the crowd that once again stood on their feet and praise with praise and admiration. He gave yet another replay as he looked into that audience, leaving the audience again in awe of that wonderful performance. This pattern was repeated, repeated several times more until finally the champion of violinists finished his piece. And he looked at the audience and nodded his head and simply walked off that stage. While the loud cheers could still be heard long after he exited the stage. Reporters pressed outside the violinist dressing room, waiting to catch a word from the man who just gave the performance of a lifetime. As he came out of that small room, one reporter asked a question. He said, sir, why did you give so many replay performances like that? You could have stopped at the first one. Everyone would have been amazed by that performance. But the violinist stopped and he replied, for the very first time in my career, my master, the one who taught me to play the violin was in that audience. When I finished my performance, everyone stood except for one. So I played again and everyone stood to applaud except for one. So I continued to play on the conclusion of that last play. I looked into the seats and I noticed that everyone, including my master, was applauding. It was only then that I was satisfied that I had done a good enough job. And you know, I think about this story this morning. I think about this story. Who are you trying to please? Who am I trying to please? When you go about your daily, weekly, monthly tasks, who is it that's the top of your priority list? Is your life focused on receiving the praise of men? Or are we striving to please our master? Our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you here this morning to please God? Are you here this morning to honor the call he has placed in your life? Turn with me this morning to Psalms 115.
Psalms 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy true sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they, though they their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Yea, they, uh, they, yea that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord, which made heavens and earth. The heavens, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So we look at this. Um, chapter here, we look at it and we see what a beautiful picture of God's steadfast love. And God's steadfast faithfulness towards us for his glory. Our God is an awesome God. We deserve all glory. Who deserves all glory? Because he is our God. He is our creator. There is no one else that is more worthy of glory than our God. And he is the one who is worthy of worship there is no one more loving and more beautiful than our God. There is no one more awesome. There is no one more praiseworthy than our awesome God, our creator. God alone is worthy of glory this morning. Yes, God is worthy of all glory. Psalms 115 verse 1, it says in there, in there says, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. I believe that should be our prayer this morning, or to, uh, not unto us, or not unto us, or to anyone else for that matter. Not to us, but to the name, give glory to God. We want God to be glorified, and we don't want the glory, but yet sometimes we like receiving glory. Our hearts like receiving praise. And you know, there can be some time, something good about this in a sense. That is good to encourage somebody and affirm to one another of God's grace in each other. And it's good if we recognize God's grace in each other. But the point that's here, it's God's grace. It's God's love and it's God's faithfulness. There is nothing good in me. And there is nothing, anything good in me and anything that I have done. There's nothing good. It is 100% incomplete and not some me and some God. 
No half and half. God did this. I did that. No, but it's all because of God's love and his faithfulness and his grace. It is 100% and must be and should be God's glory. In John 3, verses 30, it says, God, he must increase, but I must decrease. You know, the human spirit so often longs for the recognition and appreciation. We want others to think highly of us for our accomplishments. And maybe we could identify with the motivation of those who were building the impressive Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11, verse 4, it tells us there, And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name. Let us make a name. You know, ever since Adam and Eve had chosen to eat of that fruit, of the forbidden tree. In order to be like God, the human race has been enslaved to a rebellious heart that hates to rely on God. But loves to make a name for itself. As we think of the Tower of Babel, it was the show, it was the show of that rebellion. They, they wanted to make a show of themselves and reach up into the heaven. But God destroyed their design by confusing their language of the workers that they could no longer understand one, one another. They confused them. In Daniel, we know of another Bible character that was feeling like it was his own works for his prosperity. And we can see that in Daniel 4, verse 30. It says in there, The king spake and said, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom? By might of my power and for honor of my majesty. If we look at this, King Nebuchadnezzar seemed to be full of himself. In effect, he said, I have built this great city of Babylon, and I am in control. I am better than others and work harder. Look how smart I am. Others owe me honor and glory. You know, we could see earlier in Daniel 4, we learned that Nebuchadnezzar, he had a dream that made him afraid. Daniel had to interpret that dream for him, telling the king that he would become like an animal if he did not give up his sinful pride. But Nebuchadnezzar did not listen. So what was the cure for Nebuchadnezzar's sin? He needed the, he needed the act of God to show him who is really in control. The dream was fulfilled and became like an animal for a while. But you know, after this, he had humiliation. And after his humiliation, restoration, the king said, Now I praise thee and glorify the king of heaven. You know, all those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar also saw that his kingdom of Babylon was a gift from God. And that God is one who made him prosper. Pride and self-conceit are sins that beset great men. They are apt to take the glory for themselves, which is to be for God only. You know, this morning the Lord knows how to humble those who walk in pride. And he gives grace, compassion, and he gives comfort to the humble or brokenhearted sinner who calls upon him. Now, so many times the Holy Spirit 
gifts us in a special way that brings forth fruit. That would be impossible for us to produce of ourselves, but only through God. And I believe we need to be careful about this. That we do not look for the praise of man to uplift and take away what is to uh, and glorify ourselves and take away what to honor and glory that belongs to God. The praise is to be given back to the living God who has graciously performed impossible through the Holy Spirit. You know, as we think about the credit, the impossible, all credit for the impossible works of faith must be directed back to our God for his glory. I was thinking about glory this morning, and I was wondering what glory means. So I looked up the word glory, and in the Webster Dictionary it says this, glory means praise, it means honor, means worshipful praise, honor, and thanksgiving. And I also looked up the glory of God. The glory of God is the magnificence, worth, loveliness, and grandeur of his many perfections, which he displays in his creative and redemptive acts in order to make his glory known to those in his presence. And we as children are to respond by glorifying him. You know, this morning God is in a class of himself. He has infinite perfection. He has infinite greatness. He, and he has an infinite worth. God created people in the image to share in his glory. And he provided them with the redemption through his son, Jesus Christ, and gave the Holy Spirit, enabling them to honor him with their lives. You know, this morning, everything that exists in creation is for God, glory of God, including ourselves. Whatever we do, we are to do it in the glory of God. We are to spread the gospel for the glory of God. We are obey God's word for the glory of God. We submit to those who are over us. And we endure suffering and persecution for the glory of God. But when we think of man who boasts about himself, what do we think? We think he has an ego problem, and rightly so. But do you think God is selfish when he created us for his glory? God's unselfishness was shown in a loving act by sending his only son in this world to die for us. Would a selfish God give himself for what he created? No, he did not have to do anything for us. He, had, he could have left justice fall, and we would have never been able to, to have the intimate relationship with Jesus or with him. We are glorifying God because we could never repay him for what he has done for us. You know, this morning, if we love God and appreciate him for what he has done for us, I believe this should create a desire to bring much glory to him as much as we can. It's much harder to bring glory to God if we do not love him like we should. So this morning, let us thank God for the salvation he has for us. Thank God for the blessings he has bestowed upon us every day. And your love for God will grow. So what does it mean to glorify God this morning? 
To glorify God is to be used to declare, reveal, or acknowledge God's character, qualities, or attributes, such as love, faithfulness, righteousness, sovereignty to others, so that God is honored. Because, you know, we are incapable of ourselves of doing this. We cannot show perfection through our imperfections. So when we glorify God, it is God, it is God glorifying himself through each one of us. The Bible, the word glory, has several different meanings. If we look in the Bible, it can mean light. It can mean beauty, majesty, or awesomeness, honor, and maybe many more. And as I think of it this morning, I think of light. Light reveals what is hidden. To glorify God is to reveal God so others can know him. The opposite of it is to hide God's glory, to keep it in the dark. You know, as we think of Jesus, Jesus called us the light of the world. Let's not hide this light under a bushel or shine it upon ourselves. But we need to let the light shine and shine for Jesus. Another one is beauty. To glorify God is to make him beautiful, desirable, and attractive in the eyes of man. We are to point others and make God the beautiful, awesome God that they are to desire in their life. Think of another one as majesty. To glorify God is to show others that we recognize God as our Lord and our King. It is to make man aware of his awesome power and majesty so they will also fear him and believe in him. Honor, to glorify God, is how, to show how much we value our God, to show that we value him above everything else. Do we honor our God? And that we worship him with praise and thanksgiving and want others to have that same thing. We are to magnify the name of God. What does this mean? It means to promote the name of, our, of God before all people so that we, they will not respect it, only respect it, but so mentioning God's name, it bring praise to God from men. In Psalms 105, verse 3, it tells us in there, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. As we read throughout the Psalms, we can see Psalms are full of examples of glorifying God. Psalms 145, verses 1 to 3, it says, I will extol thee, my God. O King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So as we think about that, so why should we glorify God? Because God is worthy of glory. Not only is God worthy of glory, but we are to be the ones who are to give it to him. Revelations 4, verse 11. It tells us in there, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasures. They are and were created. 
And we can also read into Romans 11, verse 36, it says, For him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Colossians 1, verse 16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be, by, be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So this morning when God, we remember when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke that into existence. But when it came to man, he personally formed him in his own image. This gave man a special position to glorify God. If you would look back to before the fall of man, we could probably understand something of God's character. Not only was man physically good, he was also morally good. And he reflected God's righteousness. But man's fall into sin marred the image of God in man. He now no longer has the special capacity to glorify God. Man's imperfection could no longer show God's perfection. Man's sinfulness could not show God's holiness. We see that in Romans 3, verse 23. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We often understand this verse that we all have fallen short of God's standard of righteousness. But why was the word glory used here? Because it also means that we lack the capacity to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. We have lost our capacity to glorify God, and now all of our works are evil. In Isaiah 64, verse 4, it tells us, it compares our righteous acts to filthy rags. So this morning, we can no longer come to the Father of ourselves because of the sin nature that we have. But God has made a plan for each one of us. He sent his only son to die for that purpose. So we can be reconnected again to the Father and have that capacity in the image of God and give God honor and glory through his son, Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So once we put our trust in Jesus Christ for our salvations, we are now a new creature. We are not just reconditioned. God does not somehow revive the good that is already in us. Because there was no good there to begin with. So the good that we do when we are saved has a source in God. And it is for his purpose of glorifying him. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. For God has redeemed us from sin. We are not our own, but God's. We are now to live to please him. This is our purpose, not only as individuals, but this is the purpose and the, as a body of believers within the church. 
We are not our own, but God's. We are now to live to please him. So this morning, how do we steal the glory from God? In Exodus 20, verse 15, is the eighth commandment, and it says, Thou shalt not steal. And as we think about that, we think about what this commandment says. Our minds usually go to material processions. God forbids us to steal. Steal. A few things our mind could go to this. Shoplifting from stores. Bank robberies. Our mind could go to stealing maybe a vehicle, a car, a truck. Maybe stealing a person's identity. Maybe stealing of time at work by showing up late. Maybe stretching out your lunch break for five minutes longer. Maybe we could be guilty of robbing from God when we skip church. Maybe when we fail to read God's word and we do not commune with God. I shall not steal. You know, maybe these offenses can be serious. Well, what about the theft of God's glory? Am I, or are you being a theft of God's glory? You know, there are many ways we can steal from God's glory. And all of them are classified as sin. We can so often glorify the creature rather than the creator. This could be glory to ourselves. It could be glory to other men, false gods, angels, demons, or even the earth. Another one that is glory to ourselves is when we ignore God. And when we do not tell others about him, or we can, get, or we can give God only some of the glory, but not all, is, all of it that is due to him. Our words and actions can cause God's name to be profaned by the world to, or even ourselves. If we are worshiping anyone or anything other than God, I believe that steals glory from God. As we think about a glory thief, steals the honor and it steals the praise that God deserves by making himself the object of God's glory. The glory thief promotes having other people to give praise and honor to him at God's expense. So when we steal glory from God, we are honoring. We're not honoring like we should. Pride. Pride is the primary way that we steal God's glory. Satan's fall was due to pride and jealousy. Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14, it says in there, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan's number one goal. 
I don't believe it's so much to try to make us sin or get us into sin. But through our sin, I believe his goal is to steal as much glory from God as he can. Satan's pride was his downfall. And our pride can also be. Pride causes man to glorify himself to his own ruin. As we think of King Nebuchadnezzar, pride led to his fall. And he lost his sanity. Luke 14, verses 7 to 11, and it says in there, And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden. When he marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and now begin with the shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art, art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Milt read that this morning uh, on some of this in Matthew. Who is the greatest? Unless you come as a little child, humble yourself. But in this passage, Jesus was advising the people not to hurry for the best seat at the feast. We can see today many people are eager to fit in with the right people. Maybe dressing in a way to try to impress people. Maybe driving the right car, even if they cannot afford it, to impress someone. Who is it that you're trying to win favor with this morning? Or who is it you want approval from? Here's a quote I come across. It said, too many people spend money they have not earned to buy things they do not want. To try to impress people that don't that they don't like. Another quote, the greatest prison people live in is the fear of what other people think. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. When we seek to take the honor for ourselves, we will always be humbled. If we're not humbled here on earth, then for all of eternity. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who will be humbled will be exalted. Let me say that again. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble will be exalted. There was a speech that Ronald Reagan had given in Mexico City. When he was a governor of California, he had really put, all, put his all into the speech, and he received a lack of enthusiasm or unenthusiastic applause. It just didn't give it like he thought it should have been. He thought a speech was maybe boring to them. 
Ronald Reagan was quite embarrassed and he sat down and then someone else got up to speak. But he gave his speech in Spanish. Every other line in that speaker's speech received a thunderous applause. To hide his embarrassment, Ronald Reagan started clapping before anyone else and longer than anyone else could. That was until the United States ambassador leaned over and said, I would not do that, Governor. He's interpreting your speech. You know, we have a real tendency to want to be the center of attention, don't we? Ronald Reagan believed quite mistakenly that if he applauded first and longest, he would receive honor. So this morning, what is the bottom line of your life? When the race of life is over and finished line has been crossed, how should you measure your victory? Should it be measured based on your possessions? Should it be based on your positions? Should it be based on your power and your abilities? If you're making these issues your measuring stick, most of the time you will spend on you. You will be seeking your wealth, your fame, your status, and your glory. When we go back to Psalms 115, verse 1, it says, and it explains what our bottom line should be. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. We as Christians who accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we will win in this game of life, not based on how we magnified ourselves, but how we magnified God. Our Christian walk of life must be about God's glory and not our own. May God be glorified this morning. So how should we glorify God? One way is we can thank God. In Ephesians 5, verse 20, it says, Give thanks always for all things unto God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's so many different ways, but there's another one. We can have a humble attitude to bring the most glory to God. We must not lose our attention from him by bringing glory to ourselves. Let us follow the example of Jesus in the Gospels. Everything he did was to bring honor and glory to the Father. Another one we could do is we could strive for church unity. I believe God could be glorified through the unity of the church body. When there's division within the church, it does not reflect God's love and unity. God has created us. And because he is God, we have the responsibility to honor him for it. As each one of us go about your everyday walk of life. And when you're involved in the work, at the workplace. And if you play any types of sports. And if you are good and talented with music. And as you go about your everyday activities, just remember who gave you the talent to do so. Remember, we need to glorify God because it's our purpose and because it is his work and great things he has done for each and every one of us. Two verses I want to leave with you is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20 says, For you are bought with a price. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Look unto Jesus, 
the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. As we go about our life, let's remember the God that we serve and give him the honor and the glory. Let's kneel as we pray. Our awesome, mighty, all-powerful creator, our God, we thank you for your love, your care for each one of us. We thank you for the awesomeness that you are to us and for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross in my place, in our place, that we can have that relationship right again with you. We just pray to be with us as we go through our journeys, a life that we can remember to have a humble heart and look to you and give you honor and glory that you deserve. We just pray that you be with our minds, our thoughts, as we go about our way. And all, no matter what we do, in all the works, place, or homes, at church, wherever it might be, that we give you the honor and the glory that you deserve. We just pray to help us be a faithful people and just pray to be with those who have not chosen you or known you or accepted you as your Savior. We just pray that you'd be with them, that they may recognize you as an almighty God and that they may know that life with you for eternity, what an awesome time that will be when we can meet you face to face and you say, well done, good and faithful. Just pray to be with each of us as we go through this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.